Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know how great your house looks and smells when it's just been cleaned? So fresh. And somehow, a clean house makes your head feel fresher, too. With a housekeeper from Care, you can reset your house and your head as often as you like for less than you think. Find a great housekeeper, set a schedule that works for you, and check cleaning off your to-do list so you can put your mind to other, more fun things. Get the housekeeping help you need at Care.com. Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs, like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com. Yo, welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. It is the Beast Brian London alongside Brandon O'Doy. Follow us on X at Real Ones Canes. Go log on to the YouTube channel, Real Ones Canes podcast. Find us wherever you get all of your Canes podcasts. Here alongside my main man, Brandon O'Doy. Follow him on X at Brandon underscore O'Doy. And Brandon, Miami's coming off a week one win against Miami of Ohio, and that's the way you want to start a season. Exactly the way you want to start out, Beast. And the reality of the situation is it was a comfortable win with a lot of room for improvement, but you did what you were supposed to do against a lesser opponent. And as a matter of fact, they were trying to make this out to be a game where some kind of rivalry was anything but that. And Miami got off early and looked poised throughout the game and came away with a good W. Yeah, we didn't even really talk about it last week, but Brett Gabbert, their quarterback, was talking about the real Miami was in Ohio. And, I mean, whatever you want to go with that. That didn't really come into play at all um, during the game. So, uh, you know, listen, I think both teams were hyped enough for for game number one. Um, It was good to see college football back this entire weekend. It was a great weekend of of ball. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the likes of uh, Deion Sanders in Colorado and some of the other things that are happening. But let's focus on the team we saw for the Miami Hurricanes at Hard Rock Stadium. The running game, really impressive, Brandon. Yeah, Mark Fletcher, the true freshman, and Henry Paris. These guys teamed up for over 200 yards, Beast. And the thing that I like about how they ran the ball is they fed off of each other. And I asked Matt Lee, and he's the center, the new center in from UCF, you know, is there a difference blocking for each one of these guys? Because they're different types of backs, them and Don Chaney. And he said, man, it's 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 kind of the same. But, you know, somebody may see something that another guy doesn't see. One guy may take a lane, another guy doesn't see. But you can tell that they were excited as an offensive line unit about what those backs did. And they should have been because they really had a good performance. 
Yeah, and I think a big part of that was the offensive line, right? Uh, what we see up front for the Miami Hurricanes is much improved compared to last year between freshmen, between transfers, between guys getting better. You talked about Matt Lee. Uh, it's amazingly helpful to have a veteran guy like that at center. But, you know, Mario said in his press conference on Monday, he said, we're a team that's all about the trenches. So it's important that those two sides of the ball, the defensive line, the offensive line, are, are big time for the Miami Hurricanes, for them to get better. And the offensive line was certainly better uh, in, in this season, at least for game number one. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they really had sort of um, messed together pretty quickly, if you think about it. And they, there were a lot of comments about Colorado's offensive line because so many people were coming from different places. And I think Miami had some of the similar things going on because you had the Cohen-Lee connection coming from UCF and Bama, respectively, teaming up with Rivers. And then you had the freshmen coming in. And so these guys were from all over the place. They gelled together. They performed as a line. Now, you get a good grade for week one, but now week two, the degree of difficulty goes up quite a bit. Yeah, the body sizes. You look at film of Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M. I actually watched their game against New Mexico State. It's a different ball game as far as the bodies you're going against in week two, and uh, we'll definitely get to that in segment two as we bring on a, a, a amazing Texas A&M expert here covering the Aggies for us. But let's talk about the passing game. Tyler Van Dyke finger injury. Uh, whether it has impacted his throwing or not. They're not going to say anything about it. Mario says he's 100% despite wearing some sort of tape or something on his on his hand. But the passing game was okay. It, was, it, was, it, it wasn't horrible. There was one interception, and the offensive coordinator kind of took uh, responsibility for that, although ultimately Tyler threw the ball. But it was good to see. You know, the passing game worked. Obviously, they didn't really have much tight end play. We didn't see, you know, Arroyo's been out. We'll see if he gets back. He, he might play. He might not play this week. Jaleel Skinner didn't get any run, so they didn't really have a pass-catching tight end out on the yeah. field that took away from the offense. But the passing game was, was okay. Yeah, I don't think uh, any of us expected to see a whole lot in the way of nuance for this passing game. And, you know, Shannon Dawson obviously didn't want to put anything on film for Jimbo Fisher and his staff to be able to break down as far as how nuanced this offense will probably grow to be. But, yes, we there, there's a lot that we did not see. Uh, we know they can throw to the boundary in the field. Uh, we know they can throw the bubble. That That's for sure, and it worked out pretty well with Kobe Young. But much to still be able to address, and, and we talked about this at the game, there were some wide-open looks that were not taken uh, down the field where they opted to go more shallow and to check downs, and that's on Van Dyke. And, and to be honest, we'll never know if he's hurt or not. It doesn't really matter, to be honest, because as long right. as he's in there, that says to coaches, players, and fans that he's good enough and he's better than the guy who's sitting behind him. Well, you talked about Tyler missing a couple throws, missing a couple looks. I thought in the first half he did not do a great job of going through his progressions. I think they made some adjustments, or at least he, he had a little talking to uh, at halftime where I think he did a better job of kind of going through his progressions, going to, to the guys that were open for more uh, successful plays. I think he did that in the second half. So that was good to see. Defensively for the Miami Hurricanes, it was almost perfect, kind of. Uh, there was maybe, you know, there wasn't a lot of mental errors. 
You know, you had the one by Takori Couch where he got picked on, and I thought, oh, well, okay, they're going to go pick on him for the rest of the game, and he kind of held his own. Um, you saw a lot of guys play, a lot of rotations between uh, the front, the middle, and the back end of the defense. I thought they played pretty well defensively. Yeah, I think the defense played pretty close to lights out. This Miami of Ohio team was really a letdown. I, I expected them to be much better, especially all the talking they were doing prior to the game. Uh, but I think they underestimated Miami and the strength that they brought back. They were literally rotating seven, eight guys on the defensive line and about six or seven guys at the linebacker position. And this happened all night long. And you're talking about when guys can be fresh, when guys can get to the ball. And it, it wasn't like there was a ton of pressure, so to speak, but there was a lot of traffic in the backfield to pass. And so, that's what you want. If you can't get to the ball, you you need to create traffic and make it difficult or make that quarterback make a quicker decision than they want to. I forget what the final stats were, whether they had three sacks or four sacks, but listening to Lance Guidry uh, in the press, or, you know, he's like, we should have had five or six if I'm looking at the film. So there was opportunity for more. Um, but I think the depth on defense is what's going to really be the thing that helps this defense be successful. Now, again, a whole different ball game this week. They're going against some real freaking athletes uh, with the Aggies. So it's a whole different situation uh, for Miami to be tested. Completely different game this weekend. And so we'll be interested to see Miami's own Shamar Stewart. He's going to be a part of that defensive line that plays. He was, of course, a student at Monsignor Pace just a couple of years ago. He's only a, a true sophomore. And he's one of those guys on that defensive line for Texas A&M that, you know, Miami's got to be concerned about, especially when you're playing some true freshmen. But, Beast, for me, this game is about explosive plays for the Hurricanes, finding ways to limit turnovers and to limit penalties. No mental errors, no MEs, no mistakes, and, and, and try to cut down on that. To win big games, to win close games, to win games that really matter and can propel your program, You've got to come into a game with a great amount of discipline. And so we really get a chance to see how good this coaching staff can prepare a team because Texas A&M had to be a game that they started preparing for in the offseason. You know, last year, Brandon, this, these two teams didn't have great years and they played kind of an ugly game. You know, early in the season, Texas A&M was just coming off a loss to Appalachian State and Miami went in there and made all sorts of mistakes and could not score in the red zone. Uh, kept backing themselves up with mistakes. There was just it was just an, a really ugly game for Miami offensively, and uh, they ended up coming out with a loss. And I'm sure Mario Cristobal. Now listen, there's been a lot of turnover in both teams, but Mario and his staff and these players that are veterans have to realize you got to clean it up in order to beat the Aggies. Yeah, I think they know they got to clean some things up. I think they're concerned about this offensive coordinator hire. Who wouldn't be? You know, you bring in an offensive guru uh, like the coach that they now have as the offensive coordinator, and, and and you look at the things that he's done and the places that he's he's been. You bring, you know, somebody like that in, a Bobby Petrino, and and you get him in with any kind of quarterback talent with Wegman and, and, and these two receivers that he has. We know Amari Daniels from Miami Central, in addition to some other running backs are in the backfield. It has some potential there, and you got to be concerned about that. But Miami has athletes too, and I think we saw, you know, how special, you know, 
these kids can be. And you saw Wesley Besaint. You saw his linebacker mate uh, that's in from Washington State. You saw a lot of the talent that this team has been teasing through and throughout the offseason. To me, this game will be on the back end, not so much the front end. The back end is going to be tested in a major way. And, and so it's going to be very important for Miami to be very fundamentally sound. I like what I saw out of um, Daryl Porter Jr. And I like what I saw out of Jaden Davis. Uh, but that was game one. This is going to take the level of difficulty up a little bit. So where they do, how they do in this game will say a lot for how the season's going to shake out. We'll talk about the the pretty good talent at Texas A&M. We'll talk about their new offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino. We'll talk about how they are in the trenches with our uh, Aggies correspondent coming on next. We will do that after this. You're listening to The Real Ones Canes Podcast. Keep it here. Canes fans, The Real Ones Canes Podcast is brought to you by Closure Investigative Agency, the premier private investigative firm in Florida. They're the most aggressive PI firm in South Florida. Ulysses and his crew will get you the information you need and leave no stone unturned. They've been doing it for more than two decades, and there is no one else you should trust to find you the truth. Are you worried about a cheating spouse? Do you have have a custody issue? Do you need a thorough background check done of a potential employee? Need an insurance or legal investigation done? Or even an international investigation that needs to happen? Closure Investigative Agency has you covered. Call Ulysses and his staff right now at 844-403-2550. That's 844-403-2550. Or email them at info at ciagency.com and follow them on X at C-I-A-P-I-F-L. That's C-I-A-P-I-F-L. And find them on the web at ciagency.net. Closure Investigative Agency, sponsoring The Real Ones Canes Podcast. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast, Brian London, alongside Brandon O'Doy. We now go out to College Station, Texas, and bring out an expert on the Texas Aggies. He is one of the main men at texags.com. His name is Ryan Broniger. You can follow him on X, or as Brandon calls it, the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, at R underscore Broniger. And Ryan, thanks for joining us today, man. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. So last year, this game was kind of ugly. Miami went over there, and both teams uh, didn't look like they were ready for prime time. And as their seasons turned out, both teams were not ready for prime time. But when it comes to college football these days, between the transfer portal and recruiting, you can remake a roster. And not let's not forget about coaching hires. Miami's got new coordinators. Jimbo Fisher went out and got Bobby Petrino. So. Ryan, this game is not going to be the same game as last year's ugly game. Yeah, I think both squads, you could make an argument. On some level, they made additions by subtraction, right? And in terms of A&M, you're looking at the guys that they left, that left the program uh, from Texas A&M that were on the roster last year that were maybe causing some internal issues. Jimbo Fisher gives up play calling, hires Bobby Petrino. They hand the keys to Connor Wigman uh, with a super talented roster. Uh, so I'm excited. I think this is a really, I mean, obviously a very good early litmus test 
uh, for both squads. I don't know that it's going to tail the tail for the either school's entire season, but I also think that we're going to get a pretty good idea of what the Canes and the Aggies got after Saturday. You talk about just like the litmus test sort of, you know, idea. And I like that, Ryan, because I, I come from a field of, yeah, we're going to find out what these teams truly have. You know, once they have an opponent that kind of looks like them recruiting at a similar level, have the same type of recruits and you are come from a recruiting standpoint. And I want to just touch on that first before we get to some of the athletes in this game. What does this game do for each school recruiting wise? Because strangely enough, it's come down to Miami and Texas A&M, not lately, but in the past, it has come down for a couple of major recruits to those schools. Yeah, certainly. I think Jimbo Fisher's ties in the state of Florida, James Coley's ties to especially South Florida have really opened some doors for A&M and maybe uh, you know, those are going to be big recruiting grounds that I know Mario Cristobal wants to shore up close to home. And so maybe it's a shot um, at the Miami program or I don't, I, not a shot. Oh, I'd say like maybe it's personal uh, for, for the Miami program to make sure that they don't let Shamar Stewart leave and they don't let Amari Daniels leave um, really quality players. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I was going through the Miami too deep and recognizing some names that either Brandon, I tried to get in touch with those kids through you or, you know, some mutual connections that way. So there's going to be a lot of familiar faces on the field. And I think, you know, Elijah Arroyo uh, from Texas. And I think, um, you know, Miami has kind of similar to A&M, just kind of picked and pecked across the state of Texas, kind of the way A&M has done in the state of Florida. So you're going to see some crossover, maybe not as much as like when A&M plays an LSU or a Texas. But if you're a recruiting fan, you're definitely going to be knowing some names on both rosters that you've that you watch come up through high school. Ryan, tell us about some of these athletes on the on the Texas A&M offense. I, I watched that game against New Mexico State, and uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I kind of got freaked out a little bit by this uh, behemoth of a receiver, Noah Thomas, doing his thing. He looks scary and could be trouble for the Miami secondary in the red zone, but there's a fleet of athletes on that offense. And Mario Cristobal also, in his presser, said, listen, they threw the ball around. They got a, a great quarterback right now, but don't shy away from their run game either. Well, I think it's the, the story of this game from the AM side is going to happen along the line of scrimmage. Miami's loaded on the defensive line. We've talked all week about Leonard Taylor and the problems that he could uh, present for AM on the defensive interior. Uh, where AM had trouble last year along the offensive line was in both A gaps. Um, that's like a recipe for success for a guy like Leonard Taylor, right? But if the a offensive line can hold up or just give Connor enough time. Yes, you're right. There's certainly some uh, enormously talented players uh, out wide for Texas A&M. You mentioned Noah Thomas. Funny enough, that's a kid of all the receiver recruits that A&M's gotten over the last five, six years that were so highly touted. Noah Thomas was a three-star kid. Um, and he's from Galveston County, south of Houston. So a lot of Aggies are drawing comparisons in the way he was recruited, his recruiting ranking, very and where he's from very similar to Mike Evans, who came through here uh, in a similar build. You know, Noah's probably a little bit longer, not as thick and heavy as, as Mike was, but very similar play styles, 50-50 balls, you like them. Noah was actually a state finalist in the 400-meter, flat-out 400 meters, um, flat out 400 meters uh, in high school. So, yeah, that, this is a kid that, going back to last spring, even late last year, the buzz coming out of the program was like, man, this Noah Thomas kid, he's going to be a player goes through off-season conditioning. He's going to be a player. 
you go through uh, summer camp, he's going to be a player. And then it doesn't surprise me that, you know, he kind of shows up big um, in, in the opening game. And he's, you know, he wasn't the headline stealer going into the, the season, though. You know, everybody talked about Evan Stewart, and he is sensationally good. Um, not an, not a big kid, but super good uh, down the field. He's a great leaper. He reminds me a lot of Garrett Wilson. It's a really similar skill set to Garrett Wilson. Uh, and then, look, they got Anaya Smith back. He didn't do much last week. I believe he had two catches and a, and a long punt return. They're not. He's not going to stay quiet for very long. Like, Anias. Uh, is a fifth-year guy that could have gone to the NFL, got injured last season, um, and is probably their most dynamic guy in space. And so you got to kind of feel like as Connor gets more comfortable in this Bobby Petrino offense, he's looking to unlock some stuff that Anias does well there in the slot. And he's been a productive receiver at AM for a long time. So, yeah, AM really likes where they're at in terms of their skill talent. But as you guys know, I mean, this this thing is won and lost along the line of scrimmage. So a big matchup will be Miami's defensive line against the Aggies' offensive line. Well, you teased it a little bit there, Ryan, and I was going to ask you, what, from a Texas A&M standpoint, are they going to be looking to attack that they see they could potentially exploit for Miami? Give us a little oppo research here. I mean, neither of us are playing. Uh, But, you know, from their standpoint, what are they going to be trying to do uh, to Miami, either on the offensive or de- defensive side of the ball uh, to try to exploit some things they see on film or from the first game or just things they know that they can possibly have an advantage in? Well, look, there, there's no question Miami is immensely talented. I mean, Cam Kitchens was a kid that I covered in recruiting that A&M was in on. Uh, it's turned into a sensational player there. Uh, and, and so Miami can cause you problems on the back end if they're able to just sit back there and look at what's coming at them over and over again. So in my opinion, AM's kind of got a three-headed monster at running back. We talked about Amari Daniels, the South Florida kid earlier. He had a good week last week. He's a real decisive runner. One cut, get north and south. Uh, they got a kid, a sophomore out of Baton Rouge named Le'Veon Moss, who they got over Bama. They're super. I mean, you just watch this kid run the ball. He looks like an Alabama running back. And then they've got the five-star freshman, Ruben Owens, who's just getting his feet wet, but uh, immensely talented as well. So, I think if AM is able to get into some second and fours, some second and threes, and they can run some play action and get Wigman into some really advantageous scenarios, like Connor is, he's got a little Brett Favre in him, man. Like it's gut, like he wants to score the football. Like he wants to score as often as he can, as much as he can. And he believes in his receivers. So he wants to take some shots down the field. And, Look, the vertical passing game was something that was completely non-existent at Texas A&M last year, whether that be, um, you know, due to the play calling, due to the injuries at quarterback with Haynes King and Max Johnson. But it feels like Petrino meshes well with what Connor likes to do. So, but in order for a to have success against that secondary, I think they've got to run it into that teeth of that Miami defense and just see what they can do, see what they can get uh, and get themselves in some advantageous positions to take some shots. Brian, let's talk Texas A&M defense. A bunch of playmakers there, especially the front seven, is superstar um, in a lot of different places. Uh, what did you see from them in game one against New Mexico State? It's actually funny. I was listening to you guys in the segment before talk about the amount of bodies that Miami was running on uh, against Miami of Ohio in week one, and A&M was doing almost the exact same thing. I was like, man, that's a, it's very similar. Uh, we looked up in the fourth quarter in a 52-10 to 10 game, and you had – 
Shamar Stewart on the field, five-star. You had DJ Hicks on the field, five-star. You had Gabriel Brownlow-Dendy, another Florida kid, on the field, five-star. And you had Eni White on the field, high four-star. And this is the like the last line, kind of the rotations were – not you know, Shamar Stewart played a ton of football early in that game, and he's going to play a bunch. And I think uh, just listening to him talk this week, he, he's pretty fired up about the matchup. But it just kind of goes to speak to AM's depth along the defensive front. Um, they, they are – and they've got every kind of body. Like this is – this is the deepest room on a really talented AM roster. The defensive line is the deepest room that they have. So they're going to run out all different types of body styles, all different types of players. Some guys that you'll see, Shamar Turner, for instance, he'll line up as a three. He'll line up as a nose. He'll line up as a strong side end. Uh, and, and DJ Durkin has, will be multiple. You know, he'll get into some three down fronts. Uh, it was a lot of four down fronts last week. Uh, and then AM feels really good about where they're at at safety. Uh, they love their safety and nickel combinations that they've got. Uh, and and the, the question, I guess, would be at linebacker play. They're starting a, a veteran and Edrin Cooper at one of the linebacker spots, and then they're starting another super, like, under-the-radar recruiting get kid they flipped from Baylor's uh, last year and last recruiting cycle named Tori in York, who I know you guys won't dive real deep into what A&M's got on their roster, but if you just Google his name or YouTube his name, this is an incredibly like off the charts kid who all makes sense to. So he's a little undersized. He's a true freshman, but at some point guys, you know, this, like you go recruit these four and five star kids, but if they're, if they don't know where to be, when to be, does it matter how fast they run? So Tori and York, little, little undersized, probably doesn't run the best, but he knows where the football is at. And he's really just kept coming on and coming on. So, you know, that's probably where AM's biggest questions are right now. I mean, everybody's got questions. It's only week two. Um, so we still don't really know anything. But going into the year, uh, linebacker was the biggest question uh, on the AM defense, probably followed by corner. Job security, Jimbo Fisher, where is he? Scale of oh, 1 man. to 10 right now. I, I, can't, um, I can't resist. Yeah, I know. We, we get the question <laughs> on that. Um, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. Yeah, I, there's no way to say it. That, and one of the favorite – memes to pop up or internet twitter uh pictures to pop up is com- his record compared to kevin sumlin every time he loses a game and you know how similar it is and you know nobody's running from that and in fact if he continues to have the same record as kevin sumlin did guess what his outcome is going to be the same as kevin same. yeah so and look he's one thing that that's very different than the sumlin era is jimbo has really he's recruited at a high level you guys know that like there's no question Miami can win this game. They might win this game. Um, I've really got no feel. I'm kind of in prove-it mode with A&M as well. Um, But when you guys watch the game, I don't know if you guys are going to the game, if you're on the sidelines or whatever, when A&M comes out of the tunnel, you're going to go, holy crap. Like, they've got a bunch of really good-looking athletes. And so Jimbo has done that since he's been here to continue to increase the profile of the roster. Um, so I do think it's in a little bit different spot. We'll see if he got this offensive coordinator thing right, because uh, they got the talent to, to do some special things offensively. If he got it right, then I think he's pretty safe because I think that means they'll win some games this year. Ryan, thanks so much for uh, for donating your time to us uh, today. We really appreciate it, man. Great insight. Go follow him on X, a.k.a. Twitter at 
R underscore Broniger. Go read his stuff at texags.com, the uh, the best Texas A&M uh, site when it comes to all of Texas A&M Aggies coverage. Uh, he's got it over there. So, Ryan, thanks a lot for your time, man. Really appreciate you guys, man. Stay safe this weekend. Will do. We will uh, have more thoughts on the Canes and the Aggies after this. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. Keep it right here. Canes fans, the Real Ones Canes podcast is brought to you by Closure Investigative Agency, the premier private investigative firm in Florida. They're the most aggressive PI firm in South Florida. Ulysses and his crew will get you the information you need and leave no stone unturned. They've been doing it for more than two decades, and there is no one else you should trust to find you the truth. Are you worried about a cheating spouse? Do you have have a custody issue? Do you need a thorough background check done of a potential employee? Need an insurance or legal investigation done? Or even an international investigation that needs to happen? Closure Investigative Agency has you covered. Call Ulysses and his staff right now at 844-403-2550. That's 844-403-2550. Or email them at info at ciagency.com and follow them on X at C-I-A-P-I-F-L. That's C-I-A-P-I-F-L. And find them on the web at ciagency.net. Closure Investigative Agency, sponsoring The Real Ones Games Podcast. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes Podcast. I'm the Beast, Brian London. Follow me on X at Miami Radio Beast. And my partner in crime is Brandon O'Doy. Follow him on the artist formerly known as Twitter at Brandon underscore O'Doy. Follow us, follow the podcast, follow the whole operation at Real Ones Canes. A big thank you to Ryan Broniger from Tex Ags for joining us. A great breakdown of uh, what the Aggies are bringing to South Florida come Saturday and Brandon um, the line on this one is Aggies by four and a half the over under is 51 and a half uh, it looks like there's going to be a lot of points scored it looks like listen I watched that Texas A&M game against New Mexico State and if Mario Cristobal says hey they got a run game that's just as good as the passing game they displayed I'm a little bit worried about this uh Miami Hurricanes defense, not that they gave me anything to worry about because I think they played almost perfectly against Miami of Ohio, but, you know, until I until I see them shut down a team with, with real athletes, real bodies out there, I'm going to, you know, be a little bit skeptical. Yeah, and every reason to be. Uh, I think you and, you know, real Canes fans, like that, that's the one that this podcast is aimed towards. I mean, hey, you know, I'd love to think that we're going to go out there and blow Texas A&M out, but that, that's just not a reality right now for where this program is. And so I think if you win the game, I mean, look at Dion and, and I hate to keep bringing him up, but they didn't win by very much over TCU, and it looked like they blew him out. You know what I mean? And the reason is is because one point is a win, two points is a blowout in college football these days. You can't tell what people really are with the advent of the transfer portal and all these new guys coming in these new coordinators every year so this is just a win game it doesn't matter how it is it could be ugly it could be nasty 
You can win by a field goal. You can win by a safety. It doesn't matter. Get the win and move on. Because if you don't get the win, now a lot of people predicting this team to win eight, nine games. Now that becomes problematic because you're going to have to beat someone else on the schedule that looked really good that we weren't really sure about. A really good UNC team that demolished South Carolina. A Louisville team that was trailing almost the entire game to Georgia Tech. Came back, found a way to win under Brian Brom. Now, you may have a weaker Clemson team, so that bodes well. But if you think they're going to perform the same way against Duke later on in this season with that coaching staff, you don't know Clemson. And so at the end of the day, this schedule's tough. Take care of what you can control. Win at home. And I think good teams win at home. And that's what you have to do. The Texas A&M did it last year. It's Miami's turn now. Yeah, this is, you know, it's really a show-me game for both programs. Kind of mirror imaging uh, going back and forth between Miami and Texas A&M, right? Same records last year. Totally uh, not what anyone expected from either side. Uh, and, you know, Ryan was talking about it that, you know, they're doing the same thing over there that we're doing over here. You know, this is going to be... This is going to be something to see on uh, on Saturday. Mario Cristobal called it a three blimp game. So, uh, you know, he said th- he said the juice will be there. We don't have to do any kind of uh, motivational speaking this week for 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 either team to get ready. It'll be there. But speaking of being there, we're worried about how many fans are going to be there. Something weird happened after the game against Miami of Ohio, Brandon, and you weren't in the post game press conference yet. You were working your stuff outside which uh, I kind of like the way you operate, kind of like a yeah, little man, bit of a – you're, like you're like a sports reporting ninjas is kind of how you operate. But uh, we're sitting in there. We're waiting for Mario Cristobal. We're just kind of, uh, you know, yucking it up amongst ourselves. And all of a sudden, here comes Dan Radakovich, the Canes athletic director, and he stands up in front of the, the media. I thought he was going to announce a, a contract extension or talk about, you know, Stanford and Cal and SMU coming to the ACC or, you know, something like that. But, nope, he says, hey, do us a favor. We need you to sell tickets. We need, we, we've we got just a, just a few tickets left for Texas A&M, uh, which I think it's more than a few. We need you to help us sell tickets. And I'd never in my 30 years covering this team seen an athletic director do that. Uh, normally, they'll put out a press release, say hey, tickets are still available, blah, 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 blah. But they really made a plea for the media to start selling tickets. And then a couple days later, we find out they got a BOGO going on on tickets. Hey, come watch the Texas A&M game, and you can get in to see Georgia Tech for free. So that's interesting. And then I went on the Miami Hurricanes ticket app thinking to myself, okay, well, let's see what the ticket situation is. And it's I log on there, and the cheapest ticket way in the upper deck is 125 bucks, and you want people to come to your games. You went five and seven last year. You cannot price out a good portion of your audience, especially if you're complaining that you need people to buy tickets. To any Miami administration, I've got a family of five. $125 to sit in the nosebleeds is a no-go. That, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. You can say what you want to say about how it was presented, but the fact that they're trying to sell tickets to one of the biggest games in the home slate tells you where this program is right now. There's been too many years of we're going to do this. We're going to be back. We've got good recruiting classes. We're the people are tired of that. And that's why, you know, I said to beast, I said, man, we need to do a podcast. That's real. The reality is you got to show these fans. 
You got to give them a reason to come to these games. Give them a reason to be there and, and win some big games. The recruits are the same way. Now, there aren't a lot of places to be, but I think the opponent has a lot to do with the fact that I know for a fact the recruiting section will be completely full. They got too many kids. Yeah. Um, and a lot of kids are still interested in what this program is doing. And Miami is on some the precipice of some special things. I truly believe that. I believe in Mario Cristobal. I'm gaining confidence in these coaches and coordinators that are brand new. And I know that there's talent on this roster, but the you're going to go through some games like this where you're going to have to plead and beg people to come because you lost to Middle Tennessee State at home. And, and, and people are just not going to go in their pockets uh, to support that. And you didn't lose a close game. You got blown out. And then you didn't just get blown out by them. You got blown out by Florida State. You got blown out by Duke which now we see was not a fluke. This is a team that's for real. And then you also got blown out by Pitt. And, and so it's it's just one of those situations where it's kind of, you know, the seeds you've sown. You got to reap that. And so instead of being like, hey, guys, come and watch the game, why don't you go out there and play football, win the game, don't worry about who's in the stands, and then you're going to see Miami fans come back. Because one thing we do well in this city is we – we ride bandwagons, especially yeah. we support heat when the heat, I mean, everybody was white out. I mean, you know, turns out that that program is good even without LeBron. I mean, they've been really, really good. But I mean, we support winners in this city. And so when you win, you don't have to worry about ticket prices. They'll find the money to get in those games. But when you're not winning, you just kind of have to pay the price. Give me a family four pack for like, 90 bucks, 100 bucks. Give me a soda and a hot dog for everyone. I'll bring my family to the game. You charge me 125. Yeah, and then but you charge me 125 bucks to sit in the nosebleeds. Uh. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, I I know under Blake James, uh, uh no, right pr- whoever was the AD prior to Blake James, I coursed whoever. Yep. There used yeah. to be a family pack for 99 bucks for the entire season. Me and Correct. my buddies from the church used to go. Each person used to, you know, contribute. And you right. could get a four-pack, but you could sit in this section, and it was alcohol-free. It was family-friendly. Right. Yep. Tickets were, like, dirt cheap. We went all – we had season tickets, like, two years. It was, like, oh, I want to say 08 and 09 season, you know, during the Shannon era, right before uh, Golden came in. And that's an affordable ticket. That's an affordable experience, not 125 bucks. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, man. Uh, listen, I'm not going to make a prediction on how this game is going to end because I think it's two teams that are not only um, better than they were last year, but also fighting for respect, uh, both locally and nationally. But I will say this. I, I think it's going to be a better game than last year's ugly 17-9 to win uh, for Texas A&M. I think both offenses yeah. are, are much better than they were last year. Yeah, they are, and um, I think it's going to be a close game for Miami. Um, I like them to get away with a close win. Uh, So, you know, we'll see uh, if they can pull that off. All right, man. Good to do it again. We'll be back next week as well. Let's uh, wrap this thing up. Brandon O'Doy, the Beast Brian London, the Real Ones Cage Podcast. We'll see you next time.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.